I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and joining me on the other line, lounging in her home. Are you in your home yet? Uh, not the new one. I'm in the old one. Still in her old raggedy home in Hamilton, Ontario. It's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Pew, pew. I wish I could make cool sound effects. But I can only make terrible guns and fireworks. It's important to set goals for yourself. So that's Caitlin's new goal. She's going to be the Michael Winslow of podcasting. Oh, my God. I'm like, oh, God. Let me write this down. <laughs> she got to write it down or she'll add- never remember. She'll just be in like three weeks. I'll be like, Caitlin, what's up with those sound effects? And she'll be like, uh, <laughs> uh I got to write it in my notebook full of lists. Completed lists or just lists? Uh, somewhat completed. Okay. That's better than uncompleted. Yeah. Friends, this is episode 250 of the Geek Down Podcast. Wow. That was a That's, pause. Oh. That, that, that was a pause so you could pour a little liquor out for your homies and oh. salute. Oh. We're not going to make a thing wanna... about it. We're not, you want to make a thing about it? Make a thing about it. I, 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 didn't, I didn't realize. Oh, I wish I had like... Uh, a Twinkie or something. <laughs> and I could be like, <laughs> slash kava. Um, a, ce- a celebratory, a celebratory Twinkie for episode 250. Yeah. Clink your weeb tears. Uh, like I said, we're not going to, it's still, we're still fucking locked down here on, uh, you know, distance potting for the next little bit. But I mean, you know. Fourth wave, everybody. Fourth, fourth wave, wave. Fourth wave coming. The pandemic of the unvaxxed. Riding the wave. Pandemic of the unvaxxed. Um. But, I mean, it's no small thing. So, congratulations, Kate. Congratulations, Jordan. Congratulations, y'all. Thank you for riding with us through all the ups and downs of the production of this show. If you missed any of our other 249 episodes, you can swing on over to wherever you get your audio content. Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Give us a follow, like, rate, and review, subscribe, and henceforth, someone who's been riding with us for damn near all of these 250 episodes is going to swing on by on the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip and ensure you never miss a future episode. You won't miss a single one of the next 250. And that's your man's Dr. Chauncey Frostilicus the third. Put some respect on his name. Girl, he's going to deliver those episodes straight into your device. You don't have to do anything else. Cause you are too busy lying in your closet in the fetal position. Wondering why we can't ever seem to break free of this pandemic. Also, you know what has lost its uh, its exhilaration, its charm, and has just been replaced by more anxiety? Hmm. Buying stuff on the internet. That's a damn lie, and you know it! I'm because not... you know what happens after a, a year of buying stuff on the internet? <laughs> What's that, Kate? You're more in debt. <laughs> And then you got to stress about money. <laughs> oh, damn. I spent so much money on all this stuff on the internet. Um, yeah, it's real weird. Where like, 
I think the thing I said, I think I think I said to Kate off mic last week was I got offended by the price of a record in Amherstburg, Ontario, because I thought it was a two dollar record and it should actually be like, and because it's like a two dollar record and they were charging ten dollars for it and I was offended. I said, Highway man, robbery. I said, man, fuck that record. I was so mad I went home and spent one hundred and fifty dollars on Japanese imports. That's how mad I was. <laughs> That's how that go. Friends, if you would like to congratulate us on 250 episodes of the Geek Down podcast, you should. All this content we've been bringing you. All the larfs, all the tears, all the ups and downs. All the, all the conversation that sounds like it's coming out of a tin can. <laughs> all the buzzing. <laughs> 250 episodes of buzz. Hit us up on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. That's where the show lives on the social meds. If you would like to congratulate us financially. I mean, fuck it. I'll go for it. 250 episodes. You want to thank us financially? Go ahead. ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. It's where the tip jar lives. Increments of $3. You don't have to just give one. You can give more than one increment of $3. Maybe Bye. you haven't been buying everything on the internet. Maybe maybe you just have, maybe you just have a surplus of money from all that stuff you haven't been buying on the internet. So you know what? Uh, throw a little something in the tip jar for your boy and your girl. I'm poor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you are. Kate... Yes. There have been some important developments in my life lately. As people around me know. No, I haven't started CrossFit, but it's something I talk about just as much. Caitlin. Yes. I bought an air fryer. <laughs> well, yes, you you told me last week. Did I say it on mic or did I say it off mic? I don't remember, but. Oh, oh, you said it off mic. We talked about it. You talked about possi- the pos- not the possibility, but like the idea of like. You could air fry an entire chicken? Yes. So uh, I, I guess I would have purchased it by the time I, I talked to Kate last. But uh, friends, long story, uh, your man's got a dietitian now because, you know, you go see the doctor for stuff and he's a doctor. So eventually he's always going to go, you think about losing weight? And I go, no, I never thought about it ever before in my life. Never. <laughs> it's not a con- I'm it's not constantly reminded that no, I am, it's not like in the- fact, overweight. <laughs> it's not like I'm reminded every time I step out of the house. Um but, you know, she cool. And one of the things she was saying, because I was like, get at me, dog. I got no freezer and no oven. What you going to do? And she was like, air fryer. And I said, oh, okay. Well played, Dr. Linda. Um, <laughs> well played. So long story short, I go and I buy the air fryer. And it is, you know what? They're not lying. They're not lying about the air fryer. I did pork loin last night, y'all. It was oh. fucking delicious. I was bre- that on your dietitian's plan? Yes. If so, I get like holla. Like I just protein. I, I gotta get at her. I don't get enough protein. Like listen, here's the thing I said to Caitlin off mic when I talked. If you're curious about the dietitian process, friends, the dietitian is just to teach you how to eat better, not really to teach you to stop eating. <laughs> like, right. Doctor Linda will be like, so we're gonna get you, you know, a better mix of like, you know, proteins and fruits and vegetables and things like that, and you're gonna feel you're gonna feel full. I guarantee you, you feel full. And I'm like, Doctor Linda, feeling full is never the issue. The issue is how do you stop me from continuing to eat when I feel full? Because I, to quote Caitlin McKinnon once, you know, saw a dog in a wheelchair or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, uh, I think that that is a different type of doctor you need to go see. (laughs) Dr. Linda is straight science. That's all Dr. Linda's doing. So yeah, uh, any other life, life, fun life updates for you? Friends, you should know uh, this might be a briefer episode due to scheduling. We're recording it a little earlier in the week than we normally do, so there's like a shorter turnaround time, so I don't know. I've had a very busy few days for having just recorded on like, when did we last record? Sunday? 
Sunday. So from Sunday to Thursday, it was a rather eventful uh, week for your mans. How's your week been? Um, I finished painting my house finally. Excellent. It took much longer <laughs> and many more coats than, than I thought it would. But we finished last night. And we were elated, but completely exhausted. Still exhausted. Um, I am actually completely surrounded by boxes at the moment. <laughs> um, the only, the and, only time it's the only time she misses no longer working at major Canadian retailer. Yeah, boxes were real easy to come by at that job. It was, yeah. Well, I mean, thankfully, I've been collecting them for a while. Um, remember all those Amazon deliveries? That's true. Hey. Yep. It had, um, it had a purpose, Kate. You had to get all that stuff. Yes, because I needed the boxes. Um, Then, uh, uh, yeah, so I'm just packing, getting ready. I'm moving this weekend. Yay! Yay. Uh, Which is why we're recording today. Movers movers uh, or friends? Friends. Mm. Friends. So we we got a good crew. Um, I'm, I'm excited. We don't have too much furniture because most of our house is our, is our housemates. Like, frankly, frankly, y'all, I, I apparently lost my invite to go help Caitlin move and I'm a little, a little tight about it. What? You only ask, we talked about this. You only ask your real friends to help you move. Or people who can get to the city of Hamilton easily. (laughs) I think a go train. Because I'm working all that well this you, weekend. It's irrelevant. You, you you would like to take a go train and or bus for an hour and a half to two hours? I re- yeah, and I really like the first time I see, I've seen Caitlin since December, since 15 minutes in December to be, <laughs> <laughs> while she loses her mind in the middle of her move. Uh, <laughs> so that's not fun for anybody. I always, man, yeah. I always said, I even though I live in them. Much smaller space than Caitlin does. I always said from jump, I will fucking whatever I have to do to make it happen for movers to deal with this shit. I hate moving so much. I love moving. I just have not had that much time. And I kept on thinking I would have more time and I didn't think I'd have to continue painting throughout the week. (laughs) I thought Saturday, Sunday, done. Nope, 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 nope. Um, And people are like, oh, you should have gotten painters. I, I... I don't have that kind of money. Um, but yeah, so I hope it goes well. I'm taking off a couple of days next week to unpack all the boxes. Um, so I've given my some, my, uh, some time on the back end, on the, you know, actually being in the house end. And then, yeah, so basically that's my life right now. I think everything, every, that's fair, right? Like, I don't think anyone's expecting me to... <laughs> Have watched like an entire series in she, four days. She went on a picnic last week, y'all. She's done her social social activating for uh, for the month so far. Well, um, for all those reasons, and also because uh, it is fucking hot in Toronto today, and I have to turn the fans off, otherwise they bleed onto the mics. Um, we gonna keep this moving because this is just a constant stream down my face right now. Um, Great, that's not gross at all. How dare you? My natural glow is something the listeners welcome. Don't you, listeners? The answer is yes, Caitlin. I'm sure the answer is no. But anyway, like you said, move it along. <sighs> From the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away file, uh, on the Lord giveth side, a story I believe we touched on before about uh, the saga that has been known as the uh, musical legacy of golden era hip-hop legends De La Soul. 
I believe it's come up on the show more than once over the years, over these 250, primarily because, uh, through a number of reasons, uh, primarily because of outdated, um, you know, as delivery methods changed, the language and contracts did not. So because their music was so heavily sampled, um, there was not for two reasons, one, cause of the sample clearances and two, just because they had a really shitty deal. And when it was a, last year, I believe announced that they were finally going to hit Spotify. Dela hopped on social meds and was like, yeah, this is a terrible deal for us. Uh, please boycott it and do not support this. And fans and hip hop just kind of went, I bet we won't. <laughs> and fuck Tommy boy, their old label. Now, fast forward to now, the catalog of Tommy boy has been bought by just a company that does this sort of thing and buys the catalogs of, you know, record labels and, and, you know, musical libraries and things like that and publishing. And they're called reservoir media group or something. So they bought Tommy boys, uh, you know, publishing and recording collections, their libraries. De La Soul is in there and, Without really having to, just because they felt it was right, they worked out a deal with Dayla to pay them equitably and get their music on streaming. So it's finally going oh. to happen this year. The entire collection of classic De La Soul albums, Three Feet High and Rising, De La Soul is Dead, Balloon Mind State, Stakes is High, those are all going to end up on streaming by the end of the year. I'm super happy for them. This has been a long, long road for them. There's an entire generation of people who just have never heard their music because it was unavailable. You had to like find weird rips on YouTube or like that type of thing. Like just, mm -hmm. just wasn't out there. You can go on Spotify or Apple music and just find it. Um, the best you could get was like on their 30th anniversary. They just released everything for free. <laughs> they were like, here's a torrent. It'll be up for a week. Knock yourself out. Like <laughs> it's the best we can do for you right now. Um, so yeah, super happy for them. Uh, in the take the Lord taketh away file. So the Olympics happened. Yeah. Concluded last week. I did not really watch much of it. I did not watch the opening ceremonies. An event right. that was mired in controversy for a number of reasons. Uh, all of which I'm not really going to go into here aside from to say that the original committee, when it became clear that this was going to get delayed by years and was going to be a much more stripped down affair due to the pandemic, the original organizing committee was dissolved. And some of the people on that committee included uh, a singer and songwriter from Japan named Sheena Ringo, who Kate actually brought to me once, y'all. Can you believe that? Isn't that amazing? Kate, That's brought, like... Kate brought me a Japanese lady artist, and I went, holy shit, she's good. <laughs> um, she's really good. I think that was the YouTube algorithm did that. But another person who was uh, really responsible for the production of the opening ceremonies was a woman named Makiko Mizuno. Makiko Mizuno is Perfume's choreographer. So that was like a dog whistle to fandom. And we were like, okay, okay, this is it. This is, it's happening. It's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the Everybody procedure, stay everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm. They're going to get the look, Kate. They're going to get the look. They're going to. And then... The Mikiko and Sheena Ringo and that committee got dissolved and then they hired some, a bunch of elderly Japanese men who suggested that plus size comedian Naomi Watanabe should descend from the rafters as Olympic, you know, cause she's large. Right. It's funny, right? Um, not particularly. No, 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 it's not. Um, and then that, you know, 
concerns that having too many women on, you know, the organizing committee would mean meetings just never end because, like, women just can't – they can't stop talking. Oh, my God. It's like the 80s. To the, uh, you know, excavating of an old interview from the guy who did end up doing a bunch of music for the opening ceremonies, a guy who performs under the stage name Cornelius. And that was probably the story most people saw were, like, these old articles of him, like, bragging about bullying a disabled kid in an elementary school, like – came to light and all the shitty things he did to him oh my god yeah um but the japanese tabloid bunshin in the lead up to the olympics and now that they are concluded released the entire plan they got their hands on the original plan for the opening ceremonies and basically i'm just going to read this is from uh, arama japan which i believe is a sort of translation of the bunchen article which bunchen is a tabloid so some of the language in here sounds a little like not totally journalistic um but i'm just going to describe what we could have had in the opening moments of the tokyo 2020/2021 olympics a countdown starts a red motorcycle the one made famous by katsuhiro otomo's manga akira races across the floor of the olympic stadium the countdown ends the dome in the center of the stadium opens and a stage appears. On the stage is Perfume. They perform Welcome to Tokyo, a song by their producer, Yastaka Nakata. Images of Tokyo are projected one after the other on the bottom of the stage on which Perfume is performing using image mapping. The first is Shibuya, with it appearing as if Perfume are performing on the roof of Shibuya 109's iconic tower. From Shibuya to Kabukicho, then Akihabara, then Amayoko. In the middle of these these displays of image mapping, the images go from monochrome to bright neon. The map of the Tokyo subway system is projected. And just, yeah. You just look at the... What could have been, and the fact that it would have been their look, Kate. All, all Why do you always have years, to make me sad? You bring the saddest stories. All the years I've been out there saying, you just gotta see them. And I can't make you watch Netflix. And I can't make you, you know, watch these concerts that end up on Netflix or the Coachella performance or any of this stuff. But, like, the biggest stage they could have had. My heart, my heart. But one theory I've heard projected is that the reason the music's been kind of whack lately is because Nakata's been trying to do, like, things that would catch a global audience. And why Polygon Wave is so dope is because he's just back to, like, eh, fuck it. This is for this is for Japanese folks, which is what we liked in the first place. Mm. So, man, we we mourn that opportunity. That would have been so cool. It would have been, and I really would have loved to have been right. <laughs> do you know how? Do you know how in these streets I would have been? Do you know how many times I would have posted that YouTube video to everyone? <laughs> so many. I fucking told you <laughs> for years. This is why we can't have nice things. Thanks, patriarchy. Kate? Yes. Bring us up. I'm guessing by that you mean give give you the news I have? Yes. Okay. Um, that's for uncool listeners because I definitely knew what you meant. <laughs> um, so, uh... I actually have two stories. I mean, there's more out there, but there are two things that I think interesting. One is going to get backlash and I don't even care. <laughs> the other one, um, 
the other one is 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 interest is more interesting and it's kind of plays into a lot of what we've been discussing recently in recent years about what the internet has become um oh and shortly just a hot take we don't need an avatar tv show um yeah the kid they got for hanging <laughs> looks pretty good though Oh, every, the cast looks amazing. I think the show, even with the creators backing out, I think the show is probably going to be great. I don't think we need one. This is this is going to be my theme for the rest of 2021. We don't need that. We have a show called Avatar The Last Airbender. It was great, except for one person who is a curmudgeon and doesn't like fun. Um, He's just watching But to everyone too. else... To everyone else, it's a great show. I don't think we need a live-action version of it. That's all I'm saying. Um, the news that is there's going to be a backlash for, and I think is interesting, is that um, Robin, Tim Drake, has come out as as a queer and or gay. I'm not sure exactly. I haven't read the issue. Robin's um, gay, y'all. I mean, or, not, but, or fluid. Or fluid, yeah. Uh, which is... I think is great. I mean, more representation, the better. Um, and I know people are just going to lose their goddamn minds because <laughs> that's what people do these days. I mean, I've um, seen people losing their goddamn minds for the other reason where they're like, finally, we told you him and Connor were a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, that, those are all the good, nice people that we want to be <laughs> friends with. Um, they're the people who would have watched all those clips of perfume at the Olympics. You would have posted. Yes. So there is, a problem in comic books where often they will have a gay character and either that character will get sidelined or killed in certain cases. Um, I mean, it's a problem really in all media, but it's nice that a character that's been around for ages and has had lo- – I mean, the thing with comic books, especially Batman, um, there have been so many versions, right? Um, and so many different Robins. And so it gives them a little bit of, I think, freedom, uh, some breadth to to play with the characters. But yes, even I, who is not a huge comic book reader um, of the superhero genre, um, have has heard that, you know, Tim and Connor are a thing. Um, anyway, so that's just fun, that's, nice. That's headcanon, y'all. That's, there's been no actual, like, canonical reference to Tim and Connor being a thing, but... But but everyone's like is thing. It was it was there. Um, yeah, and then uh, the interesting news. Have you heard about Goodreads? I'm aware of it as a thing. Yes. Okay, so there are two main platforms where people get reviews for books. One of them is Amazon, which is. If you didn't know because you're young, Amazon started out as a <laughs> book-selling website. That's all they did. That's all they did. And and even back in the day, people were like, stupid Amazon. And then Amazon started to branch out. And now they, of course, are the – they are the destroyers of everything. Yes. They're the harbingers of the end times. Um, however, they – a lot of people still go to them for books and there are a lot of reviews accumulated on Amazon. Mm-hmm. The other website, which was started, God, I don't even know when Goodreads was started a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, um, is, is Goodreads. And, and 
you think Goodreads is pretty innocuous, right? <laughs> it's a place where book lovers will go and share their reviews of the books that they love or that they didn't like. It's basically, um, yeah, it's just a site to like, you know, friends, if you've heard me talk about Discogs for record collecting, which is it's just a way to database like what you've read, what you want to read. Yeah. Um, it's been around since 2007. So, you also, know, the uh, internet was established, but... And also one of the first sites I remember that had, like, a barcode scanner-like thing for your phone. Yeah. Where, like, if you were out of the bookstore and you're like, oh, I want to read that, but I, I, I'm short on time. I can't type it all. You just scan the barcode and it adds a listing to that very comprehensive listing. Um, but over the years, yeah, Goodreads has also gotten pretty powerful in the, like, you know, if you were out there, shit, some of the best... Some of the best reviewed writing I've ever done are the handful of Goodreads reviews I lifted from, like, my then personal blog and, you know, copy-pasted about some of the books I read onto Goodreads. I'll still get notifications about, like, this person liked your review. I'm like, thanks. I wrote it, like, ten years ago. Um, and, and that's where we come to is that Goodreads is, is pretty influential. Um, there is a a quotation from the Atlantic that, uh, when all is said and done the world in the world of books, Goodreads is just about as influential as Facebook. And that is taken from an article I just read from time in that, and this is going to be, I think a new segment on like, this is what the internet has become. (laughs) Um, people are basically extorting money from authors. And if they don't pay up, they're review bombing their books. Oh, fuck. (laughs) So, so if, if you are, uh, uh, and of course we know who's being affected most. If you are an author of color or, is it women? Is it women? (laughs) or women or someone who even just stands up for something or, or has a, a tweet that the, that fuck boys don't like or fanboys or um, just trash human beings don't like, they will get together and they will, they will rate bomb your book. And this is like, this is unbelievably significant. You may think, Oh, that's not that big of a deal. It's huge because if someone, we're going to call her Mary, is in a bookstore, sees a book on the shelf, scans it, or puts the title in to Goodreads, or even just generally Google, it will come up on Goodreads as a one star. Yeah. The first thing that comes up is like a two-star review. You're going to go like, oh. Oh, oh okay. Well, never mind then. And because um, writers of color and um, – and writers who are queer um, or part of, you know, uh, a minority uh, group, they don't get as much praise, advertising, you know, um, interest from the public uh, because they're not touted and put forth as as writers to read. They get affected, of course, way more than uh, white writers. Um and it's a huge, huge problem. Um, I would totally go and read the review or the article on time. It's really, really fascinating. Uh, it's called How Extortion Scams and Review Bombing Trolls Turned Goodreads into Many Authors' Worst Nightmare. Uh, it is written by Megan McCluskey. Um, and it's just this. And this is 
everything. This is not just this one site. This is, we can talk about, you know, what has Facebook become? It's basically just a string of advertisement and missing people posters. Like <laughs> that is my Facebook basically. Yes. Um, you know, uh, Twitter has become this gold mine for terrible tweets from like the 2010s <laughs> um, and a place where people just, you know, rage at each other. Um, and, and it's sort of, I'm wondering where this is going to go. Cause if something as like wholesome as like Goodreads <laughs> right. can be used to extort money from God. authors, like, like that's just insanity. It's insanity. So anyways, that, that's my news. I see. I ended up on a set. I was going to say, but well. I, Kate, I'm going to get us out of it. I'm going to get us out of it. Okay. You, right. you brought, I was going to say, you brought us down again, but I can get us out of it. Because okay. I just happened to grab my phone. I was going to look something else up. And it was open on I left it open on Instagram. And the first thing that came up was a post from Shit You Should Care About. We all know Shit You Should Care About. With the headline, Britney Spears' father says he will step aside as her conservator. Yeah! Air horn. As friends, if you're not familiar with the Free Britney movement, we talked about... The what was it called? Framing Britney Spears was that the documentary that kind of uh, yeah, refocused that, yeah, attention on all this type of thing. Basically, Spears has been um, in this sort of conserv what's called a conservatorship, which is usually a process reserved for uh, elderly folks who can't take care of themselves, um, where you're kind of given the power of everything over this person, including their money. And Britney Spears has argued for a long time that she's scared of her father and her father has been abusive in this relationship. Um, I believe this is probably from the New York times. Um, and in an abrupt reversal after more than a year of fighting in court and much longer behind the scenes, Britney Spears, father has agreed to eventually step aside from his long running role, overseeing the singer's finances as part of the unique conservatorship that has governed her life since 2008. Miss Spears has called the conservatorship abusive, said she's afraid of her father vowing not to perform as long as he remained in charge uh, a new lawyer for the singer recently filed in court to have Mr. Spears immediately suspended or removed. Da, 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 da. Initially, Mr. Spears objected and defended his work on behalf of his daughter. But in a new filing in an L.A. probate court on Thursday, lawyers for Mr. Spears said that while there were, quote, no actual grounds for suspending or removing Mr. Spears, he intended to work with the court to assure, quote, an orderly transition to a new conservator. So she's not out of the conservatorship, but he will be gone. So... Well, I hope things work out for her. She deserves some quiet and, you know, to take care of her own finances and her own life. Mm-hmm. So, on to updates. Kate, you've just been painting and house stuff. No real time yep. for much much else? No, uh, in the evenings, um, senior correspondent Chris and I have basically just been building stuff in Conan Exiles. Um, oh, oh, it's a buildy game. I don't think I realize it's a buildy it's, game. It's a it's a build. It's a mostly buildy game. Conan, with some Conan other, does not build. Uh, it's not Conan. You don't play as Conan. God, it's just set in the not very interested. vast universe of Conan. <laughs> Conan shows up at the beginning. He gets you off of the. I I don't know what they call. You're basically crucified at the beginning. Anyway. The point is, it's ridiculous amounts of fun. It's a beautiful game. It's weird. 
Um, it's if you know, it's people who love the Conan lore. And if I'm not just talking about the movies, like if you deep dive Conan lore, there's so much out there. Um, it's really fascinating. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. We've made a Grace Jones looking character. Um, and yeah, good times. So my updates also, because it's been only like four days since we last recorded are not that extensive. Um, and they're going to be kind of odd. One thing I want to shout out, you know, I love to shout out a new Instagram find. Yeah. I want to shout out an Instagram account called eggs.tyrone. Eggs.tyrone. I believe I came to this from a British meme site called Barry's banter bus. So I believe he might be, or the person behind eggs. Tyrone might also be from the UK. Um, all they do is take videos of people dancing and overdub new music onto them. But the way they go about it is like, they keep ambient noise in. So initially, if you just see somebody take this and like, if it ends up on another site, you'll think it's real. Like I initially, without knowing it was from eggs, Tyrone. Did you see any clips of the, um, I think they're in China, a husband and wife who'd like made a shuffle dance type of thing. No. And there was a video of like her starting to shuffle dance and then him like running out from the field. It's basically just like the running man, right? And he like runs out from the field and then they start shuffle dancing together. In the original clip, uh-huh. Hypnotized by Biggie is not playing. In the clip oh. I watched, it was Hypnotized by Biggie. This was done by Eggs Tyrone. And it fits right. perfectly. They have such a knack for picking out like the best music to put on this stuff. Like a kid at a talent show, like breakdancing, but they have used Last Resort by Papa Roach and it fits perfectly. <laughs> It's amazing. I love Eggs Tyrone. In light of what we watched last week, I selectively jumped to the end of season one of Sailor Moon Crystal. We know in the lore of Sailor Moon, the first season, the end of the first season was the big wow moment for me. I was like, Jesus Christ, they all just died. Yeah. Heavily edited in the Canadian version Caitlin and I watched back in 1995. Caitlin was kind enough to remind us of last week. Um, Heavily edited. I see... I saw on Hulu once, when Hulu was uh, gloriously free, um, and had a bunch of old anime when the 90s Sailor Moon was on there, I watched the OG uh, episode where they all died and went, okay, they really died. Um, And Sailor Moon Crystal, which is supposed to be a closer, you know, adherence to the manga, they didn't die, Kate. What? How come they didn't die? Like, Usagi gets, like, Usagi and Mamochan get, like, take, separated from them. But they were all alive. I was disappointed, is the what? is the lesson. I was disappointed. No. Oh. The scout should die in season one. That's the whole point. The tragedy. Give me some stakes. I just, what? oh, no, you've gone in a magical wormhole of darkness. I was like, I didn't, it, it was like a three part finale to the season. I watched the first two. I didn't watch the third. I guess there was still another 24 minutes they could have died in, but <laughs> it was like, all, like, I guess all of those, like, you know, Malachite, Nephilite, whatever, they got a cameo at the end of it where they remembered they were like the Knights of Prince Endymion and they all had history with the scouts and they were like, Oh my God, Venus, I love you. And then like a meteor like landed on him and killed them. And they were sad. <laughs> oh no. And then Usagi, like, stabbed herself with a sword, and they turned into Crystal Tokyo versions, and zoom, off they went into, like, the black dream hole. I'm going to have to... It's one of those things where I I don't know if I want to. You probably don't. 
Like if you like, I'm just I, gonna I'm just gonna keep my memories yes, intact do from that. the '90s. We didn't need it. Yeah, we didn't need it. If you're new to the franchise, by all means, have at it. Maybe the you know more contemporary animation will uh, make it more palatable for you than the better storytelling but weaker animation of the '90s show. Otherwise, we didn't need it. Uh, two other things I watched. One I keep kept meaning to get to. I knew it was on HBO Max slash Crave, and that was a documentary called Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage. This was by the folks at The Ringer, which is a site and podcast network I'm very much a fan of. The Chris and Andy show was on The Ringer network. Mm. The, the Ringer also brought you 60 songs that explain the 90s. Um, and this was just, this was for me, was really like, a, you think you know how bad it was, but it was actually kind of way worse. Um, Friends, if you're young, the story of Woodstock 99 was there was, I may even have to explain that this is where we are now. I may have to explain what the hell Woodstock was. Uh, I mean, real talk. Woodstock was a very notable music festival in 1969. Uh, Summer of Love, all that business. As it turns out, people probably have, there was a documentary film, which has kind of colored a lot of people's memories of what that event was like. Turned out it was kind of shittier than people remember in the collective consciousness. For the 25th anniversary, they did um, Woodstock 94, which was actually kind of a success. Kind of worked out. Oh, my God. I didn't know that there was. Uh, I didn't know there was a Woodstock 94. Oh, yeah. Nine Inch Nails at Woodstock 94, Green Day with just the mud flying everywhere. It was like the, everyone remembers the mud from that show. Um, and then Woodstock 99 comes around and the world is a lot different. 1999 as a year is just becoming a lot more fascinating to me the older I get, having lived through it. For, like, mm-hmm. how things changed. That was, the like, the economy was booming in the States. Everything was perfect economically. But yeah. eh, angry young white dudes is not a new phenomenon. And nope. every, every guy on a QAnon message board can be traced back to a backwards ball cap on the field at Woodstock 99. And it's one part the bill, the artists they booked for it. This was the summer of knee metal. That sort of hyper-masculine rap rock type of thing. Everyone loves to blame Limp Biscuit because they did a song called Break Stuff at the peak of Saturday night. Also, bear in mind, this was done on a military base in the hot, one of the hottest weekends that summer. Ooh, it, this is one of those things where, like, ev- there's so many points everything, that make, like, everything bring was, it to the brink. Yeah, everything was terrible. And then when you add just the general dudely energy of like there were three women on the entire bill jewel cheryl crow and alanis morissette the only women on the bill oh my god one thing like so i knew in passing familiarity like you know the the limp biscuit stuff everybody points to that and with good reason like like they could have calmed the crowd down they didn't (laughs) can i can i Okay, so I just was curious. So on the Wikipedia page, mm. this is this is how we're, you're going to have to sum it up. Literally, the major part of the article goes, it goes, environment, violence, aftermath. That is like <laughs> the arc of Woodstock 99, apparently. But it's even so much worse than I even realized at the time. I mean, so, you know, we heard about just the disgusting sexual assaults that happened afterwards. Um, not happened afterwards, but afterwards, you know, we heard about the... we. People learned about the sexual assaults that happened in the years after um, at that event and, you know, the, the burning shit. You know, as a, this was the summer after Columbine. So these kids who were like 
representing a nonprofit and trying to gain signatures for gun control, hand out candles for a vigil against gun violence. And then all those candles get used later to like burn down the field. Like, and one moment I didn't know about, which I found very curious and, you know, fascinating to learn about DMX performed rest in peace on day one, gave an incredible performance, but he has a song that is really kind of like call and response and it's called my N words and he'll say something. And then the chorus goes my N words and you have a crowd of hundreds of thousands of white kids screaming the N word with their whole chest. And this was maybe like the first time that Wesley Morris, who's a critic I really love uh, was, was the one kind of guiding the discussion of this moment and being like, what the hell does that feel like if you're one of the few people of color right. at this event where just suddenly you are surrounded by white people who just feel liberated because they feel like they've got the cosign to say that word in that moment. This is 1999. Like, and that was on television, too. This thing was on pay-per-view. Like, there was so much wrong with this thing. And it's so infuriating to watch the promoters then and now kind of, like, eschew responsibility for, like, any of the t- decisions they made. Like, just blatantly, flagrantly blaming it on, like, MTV and the media coverage and how it wasn't really that bad. There, Yes, there were bad things, but it wasn't that bad. Dude, there, you know, I'm not seeing a lot. This thing, this thing was two hours long. I didn't see a lot to suggest it wasn't that bad. Anyway, it also is the second time I've now heard a theory that I've become more fascinated by the notion that the reason why rap rock happened is because is that the sort of progressivism that was developing in it ended when Cobain shot himself. Because here you have Kate, it, it sounds like a reach, but I mean, here's a guy who went up and played loud, punky music in a dress. There were grunge bands that were just as big, fronted by women that were just as big as the ones fronted by men. It was kind of more welcoming and inclusive. And then he kills himself. And five years later, you have Fred Durst screaming, break your fucking face tonight to a, a crowd of 300,000 white guys. I'm just, I'm just saying it's the second time I've heard it, that theory. And it's, I'm not saying it's right, but there's maybe a little something there. Um, that's on HBO max. Check it out. Let me know how you feel. Content warnings for sexual assault and just general white male stupidity. If you, if your tank is full of white male stupidity in your day to day life, maybe you don't need to watch this, but it definitely went a long way to kind of like crystallize for myself. Like things just in general didn't feel right culturally then. Even do you, in- do you want to hear something? You want to hear something I'm about to say that's going to make you want to like jump out a window? Mm. If you're in your 20s and you want to learn more about the 90s <laughs> and the music scene in the 90s, you might want to watch this documentary. Is that a review you're seeing? <laughs> no, that's me telling people in their 20s uh. that. If, because if you don't you know, know what I a DM, sometimes you don't know what a DMX, a DMX is. is. I it just you know I forget that I forget sometimes that that, that we're people I work with like did not live through the nineties. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and also the documentary doesn't spend a whole lot of time on this, but it must always be said. Justice for Monica Lewinsky. Um, seriously, though, seriously. 
Seriously. Last thing I want to talk about. This was brought to me by someone cute. She always comes through with the heat. You got to love her. There's a show that was on Apple TV, which is just a service I do not have. She had for Ted Lasso, which apparently I need to watch. People, it's so good. People are really big on it's Ted so Lasso. Good. Yeah. But the show she was watching was a music documentary series called Watch the Sound, hosted by Mark Ronson, the producer. Um, he who brought he who brought Uptown Funk to give it to you, that Mark Ronson. Um, and there are a lot of music documentary shows. There's Song Exploder on Netflix. There's another show called This Is Pop, which I never heard of, which apparently I have to check out. There's, what was the one Shad hosted? Hip Hop Evolution. Like, there's a bunch of these shows. Mm-hmm. The hook for this one seems to be it takes its starting point as a piece of technology. So there, the first episode is on auto-tune. There's an episode on drum machines, an episode on samplers. I don't want to say that yet. An episode on synthesizers, an episode on guitar distortion, like just something that changed the way music was made and kind of goes through Ronson's experience with it while talking to other people. Everything, you know, someone cute and I can't spend a lot of time together and often we will just, you know, live commentate on stuff we're watching (laughs) to each other. Mm -hmm. And she would send me, you know, little tidbits about what she was watching on like the auto-tune episode or something like that. And she was watching another episode and I said, well, I need to jump just straight to that one. And that was the episode on sampling. Because I love sampling. I think it's one of the greatest art form musical innovations of the last, like, 50 years. And it was a great episode. And I knew (laughs) the best point was – I had two best points. One was when he talked to Hank Shockley of the Bomb Squad, uh, which was the production crew that did uh, Public Enemy's early works. And talking about how at a park jam in New York in the 70s – early eighties, there'd be a DJ in every corner. Mm-hmm. And as a young boy, Hank Shockley would try to like in the middle of the park, try to find the sweet spot where he could hear like everything at once. So before DJs playing four different things, but he tried to find the spot where like everything kind of hit. Right. Right. And if you've ever heard the bomb squad's production, it's literally like 47 samples, like all together. <laughs> That's what they were trying to, I, that was my like head blow emoji like moment. Um, I was like, well, I'm all in on this episode. And I knew there was a scene because someone cute had uh, texted me being like, oh, Murrow's here. Murrow, a.k.a. the King of Diggin' from Tokyo, Japan. So I knew there was a Japan moment in there. And there's a brief scene where uh, Ronson is talking about how digging culture is really big in Japan. And they love rare groove and breaks and that kind of thing. And he just happens to bump into Murrow while he's, like, filming something. Um, But then... He had done an earlier segment with DJ Premier talking about how he used the sampler and how what an influence Premier had been on him when he did his early work with this woman, Nick Acosta, which is the second time Nick Acosta has been mentioned on this podcast in like a month, which is probably the most times Nick Acosta has been mentioned in the last 20 years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no shots, but shots. Um, and so then, many shots. And then he like goes on this trip and brings back some records and it's like now he's going to do a brief thing with Premier where they pick out a record like one of these records he bought from Japan and tries to like um, do something with it. And that makes my eyebrow arch a little bit. I'm like, Oh, I wonder, Oh yeah, that's Tokyo special by Kimiko Kasai. I have that record. Um, <laughs> Cause of course I do. Uh, Cause of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> and see, this is the problem when the time comes and, and you know, Japanese pop 
becomes like it's going to be the new thing, right? You're going to be all smarmy and be like, I have that record. I know that sample. <sighs> that is exactly how I will be. Yeah. Catch me on these corners just going, nee. <laughs> Yeah. I always I'm knew. Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, due to life and just circumstances, ain't gonna be able to see someone cute for a while. And I know she enjoyed this show, so I'm probably gonna watch this show one just to enjoy something she enjoyed, and two, it is really good on its own merits. If you are a nerd about how stuff gets made, uh, specifically in the musical field, Friends, that is gonna put a pin in the front half of the show. And when we come back, August Watcharama will roll on week two with another thing that Caitlin brought in. She does double fist in selections this year. Wow. What? You got like one in each hand. You got Sailor Moon in your left and this one in your right. It's Reservation Dogs, y'all. It's new. I'm excited. Hottest, the hottest I'm excited. new new. The hottest new new. It's not hottest always, new new. It's not always what you come here for, but you're getting it this week and you'll get it after this break. to the show this is the half the show where they talk about the thing we brought each other this week i brought jordan something just like last week yeah i'm really pulling the weight here jordan <laughs> after last last week you have a freaking like existential crisis about like the a hypothetical <laughs> listener who thinks you bring nothing to the podcast and now you're pulling all the weight okay you know what this is a very up and down time for me. <laughs> noticing a it's a roller coaster. <laughs> I'm noticing some very highs and lows with you lately. Um, but before we get into highs and lows and talk about the thing I I brought, we have some rules. Yeah, we do. The first rule is the rule of three, which is the rule that if the thing comes in parts like episodes or chapters, we will consume three of those parts so that the thing gets a chance to become the thing it is trying to become. However, couldn't do that this week. No, we could not do that this week because not all of it is out yet, but we were like, you know what? It's okay. This thing is only going to have, I think like six episodes. Yeah. Six episodes. Oh, so, I okay. I didn't know that. So, we broke that rule, but that's okay. It's fine. We we embed them a little bit. You know, rules are made to be broken, all that. Second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. Uh, uh. We will not talk about the thing we have watched until we are sitting in front of these microphones. Yep. That rule we have stuck to. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes I get a loud text from Jordan. Willie Jack for president. That's what you almost got this week. Um, the, the third rule, which really isn't a rule, it's just a policy, is that there will be spoilers. This show is sort of hard to spoil, um, but if you don't want to know anything about what we are going to talk about, then you should go and <laughs> try and find this show. Good luck. It's gonna hit star on the D plus eventually. If you're in the States, I think it's on Hulu probably. Yeah. So, you know what? Write it in your calendar. Be like, check in September. Check check Disney Plus in September. See if show is available. 
I will probably let you know when it is. Just saying. There you go. Kate, what is this thing? This thing is Reservation Dogs. It is an American comedy television series created by Taika Waititi and Sterling Harjo. This series uh, premiered on August 9th. So, like, this is fresh. The hottest new new. The hottest new new. Uh, the series follows the lives of four indigenous teenagers in rural Oklahoma as they spend their days committing crime and fighting it. Um, so, everyone knows Taika Waititi. He is um, a writer, director, producer, actor, comedian. What we do in the shadows. Um, Jojo Rabbit, Thor Ragnarok. You know that, man. Yeah, um, he is from New Zealand, and he has a very, very, like, even more than influence, he's just, he's, he's changed the game in a lot of ways, and we really like him. Yes. Uh, Sterling Harjo is, um, a seminal, uh, uh, indigenous person from Oklahoma, um, he is also of Muskogee heritage, um, and he has directed a couple of things, um, and been involved in lots of different sort of art and film stuff. Um, not as well known, but maybe this will be his launching off point. You can only hope. Maybe. So, Res Dogs, like I said, we've only watched two episodes. Um, basically the story is that these, these teenagers are committing crime to sort of fund their, uh, them leaving the res, the reservation and going to California. This is sort of this dream they've, they've come up with. Yes. There are four of them. There was a fifth. The fifth has died. We don't know how, but they say this place killed him. Yes, yeah, so they the, did not the, want it to kill them, so they are yeah. committing crimes to. I mean, in some saying committing crimes makes it sound like that's all they do. We see them commit one crime, and we see them commit a number of crimes. What what other crimes? They stripped the copper from all the lights. Oh, okay. They yeah, stole all, right, all, right. all the steaks from the grocery store <laughs> to make meat pies. You do what you gotta do. Yeah. <laughs> it's called capitalism, so, Caitlin. <laughs> It's called capitalism. So uh, a couple things you need to know. If for some reason you are not uh, in the U.S. or Canada and you don't know much about uh, reservations, um, reservations are uh, so complicated. I would say, like, honestly, like Wikipedia it. (laughs) But basically they are um, parts of land that were – Given, they forced indigenous populations. Bare minimum that America could do. They forced indigenous populations into these parts of the country, both in the United States and in Canada. Um, And they, for instance, in Canada, we have an issue where there is not clean water on many of these reservations all across the country. There's a lot of poverty. um, There's a lot of. alcohol and drug abuse um, because these places are not well funded. They're not cared for. Um, and a lot, there's a lot of suffering on them. Um, and this story is a large part of it is just like the feel of like 
what living on the res is like. Now, Reservation Dogs comes, of course, from the movie Reservoir Dogs, and there's a lot of like imagery they use in that. But also, a res dog is a term that has been around for ages. Um, uh, res dog, which is short for Reservation Dog, is uh, it a long time ago was a term for like an outdoor stray or feral dog on the reservation. Um, and now it's used for like people or res dogs. Um, and, and it's supposed to also be this dichotomy between, between how Americans treat dogs and how the dogs are on the reservation, which is that, you know, uh, res dogs are alone and have to find a pack and sort of fend for themselves and American dogs are pampered and taken care of. Just part of it. That's just like highlights. There's so much more. Um, but I'm going to stop talking now and be like, Jordan, what did you think? I already told you what I think. Willie Jack for president. Willie Jack for president. I fucking love her so much. Um, um, who are, she, oh man, there's so much yeah. like, it's going to sound weird because I'm about to start really hot, but at the end of the day, probably only give it like a seven. Um, I did greatly enjoy it. Right. But there is a certain like, Indiness FX Atlanta effect to it as well, which so I totally got Atlanta vibes. Yes, like especially the second episode, the hospital episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, where there are touches of magical realism. Uh, Bear, our main character, um, who the plot is basically so they they're committing these crimes and they draw the attention of a rival gang although i mean they all kind of live in the same area but there's a jackie the blonde is the new girl right Mm -hmm. and a couple you know local dudes excuse me kind of ran their mouth that like you know bear and his friends were like the biggest gang around so they got to get taken down type of thing Uh and they're not they're not a gang they're not a gang gang at all friends who have been committing crimes to get money um so now this sort of like gang war kind of starts between um the what becomes known as the Res Dogs versus the what do they call themselves the Indian Mafia, yeah, led by White Steve. Um, <laughs> yes, I love that they call him White Steve. And so, like after they get shot by paintball guns, Bear well, Bear keeps having these moments where he's bumping into fuck. What's his name? Um, I think they just call him the Spirit. He, At least that's I think that's how he's listed here. He keeps having these run-ins in the spirit world with uh. <laughs> Some guy who was there when General Custer, uh, where was that at? Custer's last stand, but I don't remember what the battle was called. Um, and he didn't get to be a hero. <laughs> his, his horse fell in a gopher hole and he got crushed beneath it. <laughs> yeah. So now he just guides the wayward spirits. Um, he's awesome. Uh, but that's a very like Atlanta type thing. So that's when you veer into like the kind of arty humor versus yeah. the like Taika Waititi humor of like, and Taika Waititi co-wrote the first episode, but does not the second episode. He's just a producer on um, the. So it's Bear, uh, Willie Jack. It's I d- I'm saving her for last. It's, it's Bear. Really, it's, oh, Bear okay. it's Bear. It's Bear. Willie Jack. I don't remember the other guy's name. Cheese. 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 Right. Cheese. Cheese and Alora Dannon, whose name yeah. is thrown out there, and you know this local kind of white con artist who they sell a chip truck to. 
notices immediately, you know, what's your name? Or it in. Oh, like the baby in the movie Willow. It's a Ron Howard joint. It's really good. <laughs> like, and dropping facts about the movie Willow. And I'm like, in that moment, I was like, Caitlin McKinnon is all in on this show. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. it's indigenous. Mm. It's indigenous kids and references to the movie Willow. <laughs> it's like made in a fucking lab for Caitlin McKenna. <laughs> um, I what I like. Sorry, what I like, and people are probably. I have gotten a couple questions from people in the past about if I'm indigenous. I'm not. I think it's the combination of the eyes and the black and the dark hair. Um, I'm not indigenous. Um, the reason I like stories from different communities is because I find white people's stories really boring. I mean, so, after you read about, you know, 30 years worth of them, you kind of what started itching for. Yeah. I'm not going to say they're and all boring, had, but if that's all you. so much Alice yeah. Monroe in school yeah. that I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. Listen. So uh, I like to see other representation and other stories from other, not just cultures, but like lives people live in these nations we all apparently live in, right? Like it's listen. Yeah. Bear came over the mountain is a fucking fantastic, heartbreaking story. No shots to the Nobel laureate, but I mean, you, you can read a handful of Alice Monroe stories and be good. And then why don't you yeah. dip, dip out into some other things? Like, so it's very much it creates a world. Caitlin is uh, Caitlin and I are both correct in, in that we agree that there is a strong Atlanta vibe where there's just like kind of weirdness that happens a lot. I but will tell you, I will like, tell you, I have been walking through these streets just kind of mumbling to myself, you know, drop on the goes pop, 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 <laughs> from those two twins who ride the yeah. bikes through town and are apparently like, I don't even know what they are. They kind of move the plot forward. Like they're always just kind of like covering for Bear and his friends or like have told the Indian mafia that they're the ones who tell the Indian mafia that Bear and his friends are like the biggest gang in town. They're they're the chorus. They're the force, yes. right? Like they give us little parts of the story, and like you said, move the plot forward. And yeah. Um. So yeah, the first episode involves them stealing this chip truck. Was that all in the same episode where they realize that the guy's the driver's life is now ruined? And yeah, that's what that was all in the yeah. pilot. that was all in the pilot. Yeah, they they steal this chip truck, um, sell it to this like white con artist who is an actor I recognize. He was in like one episode of Community. I don't know what else he's done, but I recognized him from that. Um, and then Bear starts having to change of heart because he hears the driver. They go to this spot for catfish all the time. <laughs> they like live on catfish. <laughs> and they see the driver come in and they recognize him and they hear him basically telling about his whole life is ruined now because they stole the chip truck. He lost his job. His wife left him because... <laughs> Because he lost his job. He's no food in the house. And he's apparently got diabetes because he's been eating a bag of sugar raw. Um, <laughs> my toes are black. I'm going to lose my leg. Um, Bear starts to feel really bad about this. And even though it probably won't make a difference to his life, you know, they resolve that they're going to go buy the truck back. Um, yeah. From the guy. And that's that's the conflict because Alora doesn't want to do it. Um, Willie and Cheese already spent all their money. But Alora gives her share of the money back. And they go to buy the car back, but it's already been stripped, and there's nothing left of it. Oh, well. That's that's the game. Um, that's sort of episode one. Episode two is Bear gets the shit kicked out of him at the start of the episode by the Indian Mafia, and then it's kind of like a bottle episode at this medical clinic. Um, yeah. Which, oh, my God, receptionist, you are the rudest. <laughs> and also, so, like, so many receptionists I've dealt with in my life. 
my God. Um, and just kind of like, but the subtext there as well is like, you know, it ain't great for them out there. <laughs> what do they call yeah. the, the NDN clinic? I think that's the title of the episode. Like, it's just, it ain't great. It's like Bobby Lee from Mad TV is your one doctor just treating everything. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> I thought you were the eye doctor. I'm the everything doctor. Yeah, I'm the everything also, doctor. everyone wants to get with Bear's mom. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but, nice touch. Not only does she sing Waterfalls as she gets ready for her date, she raps Left Eye's part. I appreciated yeah. that. Because um, they always cut it out on the radio edit. <laughs> it's bullshit. Because the white office workers don't want the raps, Caitlin. you got to cut out the raps. <sighs> um, and just, you know, the little things like I... <laughs> There's the one there. So Willie Jack and Alora are out front of the clinic. Willie's selling meat pies. Um, and there's, I don't remember his name, but there's an older native man selling like traditional medicine um, out front or offering, you know, what they call that holistic, I guess, cures and mm-hmm. natural medicines. And it was just such a tossed off line. And I, I loved it where as you come to find out because Alora has been living on these chips that they stole. <laughs> Eating like ten bags a day, she has a stomach ache, and they ask him. It's like, it's like you know, old man, whatever. You got anything for stomach aches? And he's like, Mm-mm. only the white man can save you now. <laughs> but like, I say all these things that I make the show sound really great, and I may be more forgiving at it now that I know it's only six episodes in the season. Um, not a lot really happens. It's not a plot locomotive okay. by any means. You but... are literally the person who's always like. It's just a comp show. Not a lot happens, but it's great. That's your thing. It's my thing, but the weirdness, Atlanta of it, always puts me a little on edge. Atlanta was not a relaxing show to watch. No, no, it was not. You don't, I don't think you finished it. Like, uh, because I didn't. of that. Partially, yes, because of that. And yes, but there was so much, there, there was so much like sadness in that show. <laughs> Whereas this, I don't feel the sadness that's like actually, there are that's actually a very salient point i think that's probably accurate yeah um, there's actually a kind of joy to you know yeah not everything is great and they're not wealthy but they do have each other and they have each other's backs and stuff i mean it's that thing where you can find beauty everywhere if you just turn a spotlight on it right like it's totally yeah. a different their existence is totally different from definitely a lot of what you're going to see on, you know, Thursday nights at eight or whenever this is airing, but you know, motherfuck Willie Jack for president. <laughs> um, tell your friends, I don't have any fucking get uh, some. <laughs> yeah, oh, fuck. Get some like just her, she, her, I, I can't get over how good she is. So her name is the actress is Paulina Alexis. Shouts to you, I, Paulina I Alexis. I can't see that she's been anything in anything else, but Willie Jack is like, I, everything I want to be in my life. And <laughs> she's is the heart, right? Like, Oh yeah. He's just, he just wants candy. He's just, a, and like, he's just an, Oh, he's just a good hearted oaf, right? Like he's, yeah. He takes that lady outside. <laughs> Some old lady who never like, looks at him thinks he's, a, thinks he's her grandson. And he like sits with her for like, the rest yeah. of the episode, and then Bear and catches him like, wheeling where, her out, and it's like, where are you Bear's going like, with that where lady? Where the fuck have you been? And and she's is like, it's my grandma. <laughs> it's not. It's not his grandma. 
And he's just like adopted this old lady. He takes her out on the curb so she can get some air and some feel the wind on her face type of thing. Like, yeah. Um, so I have no idea where it's going to go. Ultimately, I do not know what the stakes are here or what they're what we're trying to accomplish. Like, I don't think they're getting to California anytime soon. Um, there are some Chekhov's whatever moments. Bear's dad kind of looms. Yeah. Over things, so I don't know how that's going to end up playing out. Um, who is the actor playing the cop? Uh, Officer Big is played by Zan, Zan McLaren. Who I, feel has, who I feel has been in things before as... Yes. he's a, He actually played another uh, cop on Longmire. Oh, he's on Longmire. Um, yeah, he played the police chief on Longmire. Yeah, he's not... I mean, it's weird to say, you know, prolific oh, indigenous actor. He, but... he was in the second season of Fargo. That's... Oh my God, that's what he was in. Yes. He played the... Uh, Hansi Dent. He played, yeah, right. He played, just played the like cold ass, amazing evil evil motherfucker on uh, yeah. who worked for the Gene Smart's family in Fargo. And I gotta say something. So you know it's a good actor when they play the same type of role. So like he's like I just said, he's played a police officer or a police chief in two different things, and they are completely different characters. Like <laughs> like the the buffoonery <laughs> of the of the police chief in this show is nothing like the police chief in Longmire, right. obviously, but like, there's just, there's a silliness to this character that I kind of love and that nobody takes him seriously. Although there is weird stuff going on with all those fish he found in the there, field. There is like when he has a conversation in the first episode with the kids and it's like, you know, it's been all these crimes and that's when they get the rundown of all the crimes they've been doing that apparently I forgot about. <laughs> um, and, he says, you know, I'm more concerned about, you know, the the stranger things that are happening around here, you know, supernatural. Like somebody somebody saw the deer lady down at the other on the other side of the village, which gives Willie Mac or with Willie Mac, Willie Jack an opportunity to be awesome Willie Jack and talk about her, her uncle who dated the, the deer lady and has dirty pictures of her. Um <laughs> But then yeah, by the end of episode two, there's a field of dead fish and he's like just kinda like looking at it, but then locks himself out of his car and it's such a that's such a broad thing, but just the way he plays it is like fucking awesome. Um, yeah, it's it's a the only. I don't know if it's a thing I'm going to go out of my way of to keep up on week to week, or if I'll just wait till it hits, um, star in a month or whatever after mm-hmm. it all airs week to week and binge it all. But I'm definitely going to go back to it. You know what? I started out here saying like I'm probably going to end up giving it a seven, but yeah, you've you've convinced me. This is definitely this is definitely an eight for me. This is this is like a nine for me. I just I love the pacing. I love there are these like moments where you just get to see the people in the waiting room, mm. and like I don't know. I just it's like Kate saying you just you you wanna you don't wanna you wanna re, you don't just wanna read stories about white people. You don't just wanna watch stories about white people. You want show me a place I haven't seen. Yeah, and show me how people are living. And it doesn't need to be Westeros. Yeah. It doesn't need to be like, you know, um, Star Trek. It could just be, need to be a place that's Neo really not Tokyo. too far. Yeah, it, it just, it, it could be a place that's actually just not that far from me. And I've just never had experience with, and it's like a whole other world. And, but there are still some things that are familiar, right? Um, 
anyways, I, even the, I just love how teenagery they are as well. A lot of the things that have teenagers in them, they don't feel like teenagers. I thought the, um, and, the costume design of like when they have their like memorial. And again, that's, that's the thing. I don't know the ceremonial purpose of what they were doing with the, like, you know, bringing, pouring the smoke over themselves. Like that obviously means something in that culture. It's, it's called smudging. Just listen. She comes she comes with the deep hits for you, y'all. This is what it's called smudging. It's it's only used in anyway, it doesn't matter. It's called smudging. It's something that they do at special times. That's all. But you don't need to know that. You don't need you to know that. Didn't... You can just go like, oh, that's a thing I haven't seen, and it clearly means something to them in this culture. Um yeah. but just the way they're dressed, I mean, this is the big reservoir dogs moment, uh you know, reference because they're in like the, the suits, right? Because it's essentially funereal. Because they're having this memorial for their friend. But just the way, like, the suits are kind of ill-fitting or, like, you know, the ties aren't tied up all the way type of thing. Cheese has, like, a fucking (laughs) – one of those, like, silk ties you get at Spencer Gifts, you know, with, like, a galaxy on it or something. Like, I just thought the costume design and the way they were wearing it and Willie Jack's badass hat. And I was like, fucking Willie Jack – another. I just – take a drink every time Willie Jack deserves to be president. I just – I want just, like, a whole spinoff show about Willie Jack. I do, to a certain extent, want to now compare this with um, a show called Rutherford Falls, which came out recently. Oh, uh, yeah. I've heard a bit about which that. Which was another sort of – I mean, it starred Ed Helms, but it was also kind of about um, much more straight-ahead sitcom-y um, take on the lives of indigenous folks, kind of in – not on a res per se, but um, – you know, I think it's Mike Schur, a Jace, um, very kind of more Parks and Rec type feel type type of thing. And I meant to watch it when I saw the trailer, but just hadn't, I don't know if it was readily available, but you know, there's so many stories out there, y'all. You can tell more than one story featuring indigenous people. So I may make some time for Rutherford Falls in the, in the next week to kind of compare and contrast the two different ways you can tell these stories and you know, what's, what's funny, what's funny for those people who live in those communities. Well, that is uh available on question mark. It will be on Star slash Disney Plus. I seas. Get your wellies on or, and your, your raincoat. <laughs> pull your raincoat up, pull up your anchor, find it find it wherever you can if you are interested. It's uh definitely definitely one of the more Unique things I've checked out this year. So shouts to Kate for bringing that in. I got to step my game up and find something for next week, y'all. Will it be an anime? Will it be a graphic novel? Will it be a manga? Because apparently I buy manga now, as established last week. I don't know what it's going to be. I'm, I am at the edge of my seat. I bet you are. <laughs> if you have suggestions, y'all, August Watcharama is open to the people as well. We're not like Kevin Smith. This is not a tyranny here. <laughs> But we will crush the soul of fanboys everywhere if you give us a chance. That we have in common. We are we are full proponents of fan blaming around here. But if you have any suggestions of things we want to watch, oh, we did have a suggestion. We were supposed to check out Owl House oh. this year, weren't we? Oh, that's right. From from the friend of the show whose heart we broke, <laughs> the Ducktales year, because Ducktales was fine. It was all right. It was cool. Mm-hmm. But we did not think, personally, it was in our wheelhouse. 
But maybe Owl House will do the same. I know this features the voice talents of Alex Hirsch from Gravity Falls and is maybe created and showrun by his partner, perhaps. I believe that is the hook of Owl House on the creative side of things. Anyway, I don't know. It's like a Disney XD show that's apparently pretty funny. So I guess we'll check that out. Yeah. Owl House, come back next week. We'll get into that. Friends, if you need us for any reason, if you have things you want to share, if you want to... If you've looked for reservation dogs for six hours and you're like, where do I find it? You can hit us up on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. We will let you know via DM, not publicly. And other than that, friends, I'm literally melting in here. This has got to stop. Caitlin is disgusted. I am. I actually. None of this makes Caitlin want to like reunite in person anytime soon. No, no. So I need to stop talking about that and cease this recording so I can turn my fans back on. Friends, thank you so much for spending an hour and change with us every week in these uncertain times. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will pray for me this week as I move into my new house. Also, I hope you join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Yeah. Then up to three thirty, Kate. Fourth coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no, he's vibrating on another plane of existence. <laughs> oh my god, I've got the speed force. I've got the speed force. Um. <laughs> <sighs>